the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. This great nation will endure as it has endured. Let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. You are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. We're not, as some would have us believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. From every mountainside, let freedom ring, and if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. So let freedom ring. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. Here's your host, Bob France. Oh, yes, indeed. Good morning to you. Thanks for joining us. It is nine minutes after the hour of nine o'clock, and we are underway on AM 1420, The Answer. Always Right Radio. It is a... it is the sixth morning of the third month of the year of our Lord, 2023, and we've got a nice show lined up for you today. Coming up in about a half an hour, we're going to talk to the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, who's got a lot to talk about. And I speak, of course, of Congressman Jim Jordan. He'll be with us at 9.35. And at 10.35, we're going back into the belly of what could be a very a very interesting situation this uh, coming Saturday. In Wadsworth, we're going to talk to the uh, city council president, Bob Thurber, about what's going to happen on uh, on Saturday. Is there going to be a an intentional, chaotic um, mess uh, in the park and in Wadsworth, hosted by a radical extremist LGBTQ uh, organizer who wants to just see some damage being done? 
And that's my belief right from the start. I've read his words. I've listened to his words at the city council meeting. This Aaron Reed character who wants to bring a, a drag show for kids to uh, to Wadsworth at any cost, knowing full well what could happen there, trying to cover this and paint it under the, we're trying to raise money for massacre victims. No, you're not. You're a rabble-rouser looking to create chaos in that conservative city. In that little town, you are trying to bring your hatred and then turn around and do what leftists always do, project your hatred on others and call them the haters. This is what's coming in Wadsworth if this drag show is allowed to happen for kids on Saturday. So we'll talk to uh, Bob Thurber about that at 1035. So there you have it. Jim Jordan at 935. Bob Thurber at 10. Uh, 35, and we are looking forward to your conversation whenever you want to make it. 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. Either one of those numbers will get you right here. Now, before we get started with our top story of the day, we're going to talk. I'm just going to tell you point blank. We're going to talk about a dirty word in the in the uh, vernacular of the American left. It is It is perhaps their most hated word. You'll have to ponder this and, and listen as I try to explain, but I, I truly think that the most hated, hated word in the language of the left is the one we're going to talk about, and that's meritocracy. Meritocracy is, uh, is about as evil as it gets. It's more evil than white. It's more evil than straight. It's more evil than Christian. It's more evil than privileged. It's more evil than supremacy. In their mind, while they consider all of the previous words that I just listed to be evil in their own right, I think the one word that they fear the most, that they hate the most, that they revile, is meritocracy. Because meritocracy cuts through all of the rest. It cuts through the identity politics Right to its core, meritocracy. Can you cut the muster? Are you deserving of this position? Are you deserving of this spot in the class? Are you deserving of this promotion? Are you deserving of this job? Are you deserving of a place on a team? Are you deserving of that scholarship award? Are you deserving? Because that's what meritocracy means. And that is an absolute non-starter with the American left. We'll talk more about that after I ask you to stand. As the patriots that you are, please face your flag wherever it might be. If you don't have one yet, we'll continue to work on that. For those who are new to the program, if you're just turning us on, we do a pledge every single day. You might think it sounds silly because we're not seeing one another and everybody can just pretend, yeah, I do it, uh-huh, uh, until I stop playing the pledge or if I forget to play the pledge. And then I get a bunch of messages from people saying they were really upset with me for not hitting the pledge. They like to stand and pledge their allegiance to their flag. Many of them are in their cars, putting their hands on their hearts, one hand on the wheel, one hand on the heart, and some of them even have flag images uh, in their cars, stuck to their dashboards or wherever it is that they can. Uh, This is important to a lot of people. So if you're new, this is not silly. If you're new to the program, this is not just uh, you know uh, you know a, a, a ploy for 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 listeners or anything of that nature. This is important to a lot of people. So if you're new, join those who have been here for a while now. Put your hand on your heart and face your flag. If you are a believer in D I E over meritocracy, 
If you are a believer in being handed something because you look differently than other people, over earning your way, well, then this flag is probably not for you. So you are therefore exempted from the request to pledge your allegiance to it. You may instead stand, or excuse me, you may instead take a knee next to your favorite ex-quarterback. For the rest of us, we stand and say, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. So, the latest attack on the evils of meritocracy by the American left comes now from the Ivy Leagues. You know, it used to be, even if you were a great student... If you were a great student, it was going to take something special for you to earn a spot in the freshman class of an Ivy League university. Because the Ivy League is just considered elite. I mean, it's the elite of the elite, along with a few others outside, you know, the Duke universities and maybe the Stanford uh, universities. And there are a few others, you know, that have reputations around the country as being just elite academic institution hillsdale college in michigan that's right i'm counting them the hillsdale or the uh, the harvard of the midwest minus the wokeness but the ivy leagues were, were an aspirational thing for students even great students who, who applied and got great gpas in their high schools and got really solid sat and act scores and they're hoping to get admitted to harvard or yale or penn or columbia or princeton or somewhere and boy that's just a tough ask And a lot of kids end up going to other universities, public universities, because they just couldn't quite meet the uh, standard to make it into the Ivy Leagues. Well, apparently the Ivy Leagues have now decided that their exclusivity to only the best of the best um, is, is, is it, well, it's, it's past its prime. It's, it's an outdated concept. It's, it's worn out its welcome. We need to welcome people in based on what they look like, not how smart they are or how capable they are. Now, we've already known this with respect to the Harvard admission scandal, but Harvard at least was still giving the test or requiring results of the test as they made their affirmative action decisions on entrance. At least they still consider ACT and SAT scores. Now, they may kick those low scores to the curb again as they try to quote-unquote diversify their campus because it's got too many Asians and too many whites on it for Harvard's left-wing taste. They need more color. They need more specifically people of color. Asians don't count when it comes to merit. Asians don't count as people of color. Asians only count as people of color as people of color if there is some sort of a hate crime against an Asian and then it's see there's these evil white people attacking people of color like the Asians. But when Asian students are on the campuses of some of the most elite institutions in America, well they're not people of color anymore. They're not minorities anymore. Now they're just like the whites. In fact, they're above the whites. There's Asian privilege and then there's white privilege and then there's we need to reach down to the uh to the people of color to get more of a diverse campus. We know the story at Harvard. This is different. Columbia University, among the Ivy Leagues, has become the first to drop the SAT and the ACT requirements for undergraduate undergraduate admissions. 
The Columbia College and School of Engineering and Applied Science will be, quote, test optional for all applicants, end quote, meaning that applicants will no longer have to send their SAT and ACT scores. They announced that Columbia would be the first school in the Ivy League to become permanently test optional. Now, what does all of that mean? Why is this a big deal? I'm going to tell you why it's a big deal. Because there are a lot of kids who can graduate from their high schools with really solid GPAs and even membership in the National Honor Society and so forth. And it just looks like, well, of course they're qualified. I mean, they have, you know, a 4.0 or a 4.2 or a 3.95, whatever. You know, yeah, they've got a pretty good shot at getting in there. But a lot of times those GPAs can be misleading because not every high school in America um, has the same rigorous standards for their grades, quite literally. And not every high school in America is as diligent in preparing their kids for higher education as other high schools. Some of them are a lot harder is the point. If you go to a very low standard public school and manage to get all A's or all A's and a couple of B's and have a close to a 4.0 average, you may or may not be ready for higher education at the highest levels, at the Ivy Leagues. How do we find out? Well... Let's put that 4.0 to the test. Let's sit you down for a standardized test, an SAT or an ACT, and let's see how well prepared you are for these things. That's the purpose of those standardized tests, to separate out the 4.0 from this school from a 4.0 from another school, an ability test. In other words, a test on merit to see whether you actually are capable of handling the rigorous work and course load in this particular elite institution where they cut no slack. We have designed our application, says Columbia, to afford the greatest possible opportunity and flexibility for students to represent themselves fully and showcase their academic talents, interests, and goals. Standardized testing is not a required component of our application. This is their new announcement. So how are you going to show your academic talents without proving you can pass tests and score highly on tests? The same tests that everybody would have to take. Whether you grow up and go to a high school in East Cleveland or whether you grow up and attend a high school in the most affluent uh, area of the country, Rich schools, poor schools, middle-class schools, urban schools, rural schools, all schools. Take the same test. See how prepared you are. Nope, not anymore. The university was test optional for applicants in response to the 2021 school year during the height of the coronavirus pandemic. The university extended that policy through the 23-24 admission cycle last February. They now announced that this will be permanent. Other Ivy League universities have implemented implemented similar policies in response to the coronavirus, but they have not said this is going to be a permanent thing going forward so far. Only Columbia is doing that. Other highly selective universities, including some of the ones I mentioned, Stanford, Northwestern, Boston University, all have announced they will remain test optional through the high school class of 24, but they have not announced it beyond that. So it begs the question. If they're not going to test to see what people know and to see how qualified they are, how are they going to decide of the thousands upon thousands of applications that they receive, which ones get in? 
how do you weigh the difference and how do you tell the difference between a 4.0 or a 4.5 or a whatever student, you know, who took a bunch of academic honors courses in one school versus the uh, same numbers in another school? How do you determine which ones are better prepared? How do you determine which GPA carries a little more weight? And the answer is we don't. Because it's not about how prepared they are. It's not about their merit. It's not about their qualifications. It's not about their ability. It's about the color of the campus. We need the rainbow on the campus. We are going to judge people not by their merit, by their academic qualifications. We're going to judge them based on what color their skin is, what sexual identity they have, what sexual orientation they prefer. We're going to decide on who gets to come to our elite university based on non-university academic standards. But on whether or not we have a good cross-section of the lifestyles, the various lifestyles, throughout the country on our campus. In other words, we're going to surrender our status as an elite university. And how can you see it any other way? How can anybody deny that a university that says we're not only admitting the best and the brightest with the highest ceiling when it comes to academic achievement any longer, we're going to select based on appearance and based on affirmative action style qualifications. How can we not say that they are surrendering their status as one of the elite? In other words, if the rest of the Ivy League follows suit, the Ivy League automatically drops out of its decades-old reputational standards of being the elite of the elite. That, boy, if you go to the Ivies, you know, you are unique, you are special. They are going to lose all of their credibility. They're already losing it because of what schools like Harvard and Yale are doing in terms of admission. But if this is a case where they no longer require a test calling it um, biased, the tests are racially biased, the the, uh, ACT and the ACT are culturally biased, and therefore people of color don't do as well on it, so therefore we have to get rid of that, is a cop-out. This is wholly leftist indoctrinational. That's what this is. We are going to bring the same number of people. We're going to try to uh, uh, balance out the color on campus, and then see how the experiment works. This has nothing to do with academic qualifications, which means they surrender their reputation or their 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 long held uh, uh, goal or now not, not the goal, but their long held. I guess I'll stick with reputation. I can't think of the other word I want right now. But they're going to surrender status. Maybe is what I wanted to say. They want to surrender their status. They're going to surrender their status as lead academic universities, and they will then be known as simply academic universities with a really broad spectrum of colors and identities on their campus. Merit is the evil that the left hates. Meritocracy is the word that they despise. I've got other examples outside of the academic realm that I'm going to share with you as we continue. It's 925. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420. The Answer. Meritocracy, the evils thereof. One of the important topics we're going to continue to discuss today. We do have Jim Jordan coming up here in just a few after the bottom of the hour. But this continues uh, in so many other places. And in so many other places, they are covering it. They are couching their their attack on meritocracy and the rewarding of mediocrity. And there is a difference. There is, of course, you, you could almost call them antonyms of one another. Meritocracy and mediocrity. 
And if you're not careful, you'll you'll splice those two words together. But meritocracy is the enemy of mediocrity. Mediocrity thrives for, or uh, excuse me, strives for just being you know there. And anybody who wants to hand me something, please do so. Whether I've earned it or not, whether I deserve it or not, just hand me something like you know reparations or EBT cards or Section 8 housing. I don't want to earn my way. Give me, give me, give me, give me. I am underrepresented. I am underserved. I am deserving of something extra. Give me, give me, give me, give me. And California is the latest example of that. Remember their $220,000 proposed payments for reparations in the state of California, despite the fact that California was never a slave state? 220 is now up to $360,000. And they say this is going to help keep crime down in California. You want to know why? Because people steal and people commit crimes solely because they're poor. And if we give them $360,000 each, they won't have to steal anymore. They won't have to commit crimes anymore. They literally believe this to be the case. We're going to hit that attack on meritocracy more as we continue. It's 930. We'll get our newscast. We're going to come back and talk to Jim Jordan, and we're going to talk to you on AM 1420 The Answer. Enlightening the sleeping masses and stoking the fire of the American dream. Always Right Radio with Bob France on The Answer. Well, first on the, on the COVID issue, understand that on January 31st, 10.32 p.m., 2020, so right at the get-go, Dr. Fauci gets an email from Dr. Christian Anderson, which says, virus looks engineered, virus not consistent with evolutionary theory. The next day, he gets another email from Dr. Gary. Now, these are doctors he's handed out our tax dollars to over the years. Dr. Gary's email says, I don't know how this happens in nature. It would be easy to do in a lab. That same day, February 1st, 2020, so again, right at the start, that same day, Dr. Fauci organizes a conference call, him and Dr. Collins get on there with Dr. Gary, Dr. Anderson, all these other virologists. They get on there, and three days later, everybody changes their story. Boom. What a revelation. Jim Jordan yesterday uh, on with uh, Sunday Morning Futures with Maria Bartiromo on Fox. And uh, Congressman Jordan is, of course, the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee who wants answers about Dr. Anthony Fauci and why he was so, uh, why it was so important for him to make sure that everybody changed their language on what caused the coronavirus pandemic that shut this world down for the better part of three years. And Congressman Jordan joins us right now. Congressman, good morning. Good to have you back, sir. How are you? I'm doing fine, Bob. Good to be with you. That timeline is so very important, uh, and particularly what you just said. That email from Dr. Christian Anderson, this is engineered. This is not something that's you know coming from, you know. I think you like to always say a bat bit a panda or something like that, or a penguin yeah. or a penguin yeah. or whatever. Uh, but this is legitimate. This is real that immediately Dr. Fauci set the wheels in motion to write an academic letter explaining that this could not have come from a lab, and we need to yep. investigate this. Tell us, tell us a little bit more, please. Well, so, so understand that, that three days later, those Oh, those virologists change their tune, actually 180 degrees different, and say, you're crazy, you're a conspiracy theorist, you, you, you know, you're Bob France and Jim Jordan and all those conservatives if you, if, you think it, if, it, if you think it came from a lab. So they change their story. Then more importantly, three weeks later, there's a paper that comes out, Toxin Origin, and then it, that, that later gets put in and, and goes to the Lancet. But three weeks later, the paper comes out saying that, you know, unlikely, un, you know, highly unlikely it came from, from a lab. And then, of course, three months after that, 
The interesting part in my mind is Dr. Gary and Dr. Anderson get a several million dollar grant from Dr. Fauci <laughs> to continue their research. And I think the why is the key question. Why was, why was Dr. Fauci, when all the other folks were focused on how do we deal with this, why was Dr. Fauci so concerned about saying it didn't come from a lab? You should be focused on what, you know, how we're going to deal with this virus that's going to impact the entire world. I mean, they shut it. We know all the crazy things they did. He's focused on making sure the lab leak theory, the lab leak idea doesn't get out there. I think it's because he knew at the time that he was funding with our tax dollars gain-of-function research in China. So think about it. Gain-of-function research being done in a lab in China that's not up to code with our tax dollars. Wow, he probably doesn't want that message out there. So he spends his, and right when this thing breaks, he spends all his time on suppressing the what I believe is the truth from the American people. So, uh, Congressman Jordan, I look at this from two different perspectives, I guess, or I think there's two different things here. One is to CYA, um, which you just pointed out. I mean, you know, he would have a lot to answer for if this was not up to code and it was being funded by, by our dollars and so forth. But the other part of this is just the attack on science. Remember, this is a guy who says, uh, if you attack yeah. me, you attack science because I represent science. One would think <laughs> that he would truly want the answers to, did this come from a lab? Did it come from our lab or at least our co-sponsored or funded lab? Because we need to fix that and make sure that that never happens again. Why is it so hard to say, look, if it did come from that lab, it was accidental, uh, and it's something that we obviously have to fix. Is it is a liability issue? Why do you think he's covering that? Well, part of, part of it, I think, is he wanted to continue uh, the power structure. Remember, he controls this system. He hands out the billions of tax dollars over the years, and this is, this is in my mind, like Dr. Fauci's world. I think he thought maybe that was in jeopardy. So it was about covering his backside and then also making sure he could continue to be the, the guy in charge, him and Dr. Collins handing out all this money. And if, if, if the country learns, wow, we were doing this, this gain of function, this strange kind of research, we were doing it in a lab that wasn't up to code, and it was happening in China, our adversary, people are going to say, like, what the heck is going on here? And, and I think it all comes crashing down. So I think it was to cover his backside and to make sure he got to keep doing it because uh, of the power structure that, uh, that, that's, that's, you know, there. With, you know, there's, uh, with a, there's, a, there's a familiar phrase that, that gets thrown around in, in situations similar to this, and that is that the cover-up is always worse than the crime. I don't know if that's true in this case, because the crime of creating this virus, intentionally or unintentionally, through gain-of-function research, led to millions of deaths and, of course, led to the jabs, which I, I believe killed even a lot more, or not a lot more than the, the virus did, but it killed a lot, a lot more people. Um, I don't know which is worse, the crime or the cover-up here, the creation of this in a lab or the fact that he is trying to, again, uh, point to the point to the wet market in some sort of a natural evolutionary theory here. Yeah, and, I, and I, look, I'm not, I'm not a virologist, a doctor, or anything like that, but what, one of the things that happened is once the Biden administration got in there, they changed the definition of what gain-of-function research is because, you know, there's this idea that, oh, it's, it's creating it in a lab versus, and, and look, I'm talking like a layman here, um, but, or is it is it taking a virus that is in nature and then juicing it up really quick? And that, to me, seems what they did, and they didn't want that known either. So, you know, because you've seen Dr. Rand Paul, Senator Paul, getting debates with Dr. Fauci. There you got two doctors debating. I'm not one. Um, so, but that, I think the latter is what they did. Uh, and again, I'm giving you the, the, the layman's version of it here. But it was a juiced-up virus done with our tax dollars in a lab in China, not up to code. Then it gets out, and they, they go full-time to cover it up. 
Okay. So I, I think you laid it out very well here. You certainly did on Maria uh, uh, Sunday Morning Futures yesterday. Let's talk about where it goes now officially. Do, do you call him before the Judiciary Committee? Uh, and if so, Congressman Jordan, if you call him before any congressional committee, Senate or House side, what's the difference if he's just going to lie? And I firmly believe we have seen a lot of lies and fabrications from him in responses to Rand Paul and others in previous uh, visits to Capitol Hill. So you call Dr. Fauci and you call any of those other doctors in that uh, yeah. conversation in, 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 a, in that chain that you just mentioned there. I mean, what if they come up and just in, in, in lie? I mean, where does how does accountability happen? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you have to show the lie, then you, then you can then you can refer to the Biden Justice Department, and you know you see what Merrick Garland does. Uh, if in fact they, they they say something, we've done that before. We did that with Michael Cohen uh, several years ago when when he came in live. We think seven times in front of the front of the Oversight Committee. So we won't be bringing Fauci in front of the Judiciary Committee. I don't believe it'll be he'll be brought in front of the Select Committee on on the virus that's okay. chaired by Congressman Congressman Winstrup. This week, there's the, the first hearing in that committee happens on Wednesday. We will have Dr. Redfield, uh, Nicholas Wade, the the, the the science writer on this, who's who just wrote a recent piece pointing out a lot of the things we just talked about. Um, so that'll be the first hearing, and then there'll be, I think there'll be several hearings before we get to Dr. Fauci, but I do anticipate Mr. Winstrup uh, bringing in uh, Dr. Fauci at some point, but we want to lay the groundwork. I think it'll be real interesting. I plan on, I think, questioning Dr. Redfield this week, who was the head of CDC, um, and, uh, and, and highlighting some of these things we just talked about. We are talking with the uh, chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, Congressman Jim Jordan, on AM 1420, The Answer. We'll come back to committee hearings in a moment, because I do want to talk to you about FBI uh, subpoenas or requests anyway. But but sticking on the virus just for a moment, Congressman, is this over? Because it sure feels like it's over. Joe Biden said to CBS on 60 Minutes uh, months ago that it was over. But yet, and and I bring this up because you're a sports guy. I mean, you're a world-class wrestler, and and we talk about this stuff all the time. Novak Djokovic... um, is a Serb who who wants to come and try mm-hmm. to continue to uh, you know he's in a fight with Rafael Nadal to be the goat to to win more yeah. major championships than anybody else in history. He's thirty five. He doesn't have a ton of prime years left, and um, they still won't let him into the United States to play without shots. <laughs> the Biden administration will not let Novak Djokovic come in here. He had to withdraw from Indian yeah. Wells, which is coming up, I guess, in a short time. Yeah. They why will they not let this pandemic end, Congressman? Again, I think it's it's the power the left craves, the power that control over other people's lives. We who are conservatives, we value this thing called freedom. Uh, you, you know, and again, if you look at the science, the science will tell you young people are fine. Uh, if and particularly young, healthy people like uh, uh, Mr. Djokovic, one of the greatest athletes in the in the world, and you know there are there are some some studies out there that say. In fact, you should you should be concerned if you're the young, healthy person who's who's getting this this vaccine. So I've said all along, uh, if you want to get the vaccine, God bless you. I think it was it, it was uh, helpful for older Americans who had underlying health concerns when this virus first happened. But um, for for lots of folks, this is their call, and for lots of folks, it makes sense, particularly young, healthy athletes like this guy, not to do it. So um, I, I don't get it. I do not get. But there's there's tons of things about the administration you just don't get. Yeah, it, it it is. It's just bizarre and it's unfair and it's costing a lot of people so much more than they will ever know, or if they do know that they will ever admit. Um, one more question on a sports story, Congressman, because this is again right in your wheelhouse. According to a federal court, the organization called USA Powerlifting 
is no longer allowed to have men's and women's powerlifting competitions. Now biological males must be allowed to compete against biological females. This is the result of the court. It's under appeal. But, Congressman, if ever there was a sport, and we've seen swimming and we've seen track and we've seen other things, if ever there was a sport where the uh, the advantage to the men uh, is more obvious, I don't know what it is. Well, uh, this is well, – go, so go back to the – we talked about this a few weeks ago. Go back to uh, Governor Huckabee Sanders when, when Sarah said uh, – when she said the divide in America today is between normal and crazy. And th- this is as clear as it gets at pointing out. This is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Like, well, it, particularly, like, like, uh, can they pick a, a, a sport where there's more, like, guys the same size as, I mean, there's, uh, there's weight classes in powerlifting, I think. I think it's just like wrestling and boxing and, you know, ultimate fighting and all this. So, this yeah, is where, so, I mean, this is like, so, so, you know, God bless the women in that sport. They're never going to win if it's like that. That's just crazy. Um, oh my goodness! Somebody, well, you named, know, somebody named J.C. Cooper, a transgender athlete, won a discrimination case against USA Powerlifting this week after the Federation banned him. And I'm going to say him. I don't care about uh, the pronouns from competing in female yeah. events. So literally, I mean, oh, I, I, like I said, I, I mean, we, you, I think you and I have talked about the MMA fight. There's an MMA fighter, a male uh, fighting against women, who cracked her skull yeah. open for crying out it's loud. Tough, when that's you get crazy, into the most, yeah. yeah, when you get into the most physically you know, grueling and, you know, things that require men's level strength to allow men to compete with women is just simply uh, an abomination. But there there it sits. Okay, um, I said I said I wanted to circle back to the committee, so I want to talk about the uh, uh, the judiciary investigations now. Uh, and you have, uh, you have requested transcribed interviews with 15 FBI uh, employees. Can you tell us what's going on there and what's that, what that's about? Well, we, we've got we, we've sent uh, I don't know how many hundreds of letters to agencies to the private sector all kinds of things we've done. We, there are lots of people we want to talk to, uh, we're, and we're trying to do it as quickly as possible. But there's what's called this sort of accommodation process. The courts have held that if you're trying to get someone, particularly when you're talking about the federal agency, if one branch of government is trying to get someone from the other branch of government to come talk to them, you you sort of have to write them. They 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 get back with you. Sometimes their lawyer gets back, with you, and you go back and forth. And be, before you just go with a with a subpoena and you try to. They're going to talk about the scope of the the, the, the interview and all. So we're, we've been working on that process. We started it in the last Congress, hoping that we would get the majority and we could get moving into the investigations that we think need to be done. So this is this is now one of the one of the steps in that process. Uh, we have, uh, I think I said yesterday, I think we've subpoenaed more than any you know more than the rest of Congress combined. Uh, not that we're trying to just subpoena people, we're trying to get to the truth. But there's a number of things that you have to go through to uh, to get there. So this is part of that part of that effort. Congressman, um, you know, as you continue your your oversight, and not you know, obviously the oversight committee and the judiciary, as you continue your investigations into some of these these things that demand investigation, uh, I, I heard your comment uh, about what we're finding out as we move move through these investigations or even begin these investigations. You said that it's always worse than we thought. The only thing we get wrong is it's always worse than we thought. And I, you and I have been talking literally every year of the Biden administration so far, all four years of the uh, attacks on Donald Trump and, uh, you know, the left's uh, crazy uh, uh, response to him. You know, I, I thought it got pretty bad. You're saying it's always yeah. it's worse than we ever thought it was? That's pretty, that's pretty astounding. Well, it seems to be the case because... You know, you, you, you go back to the, the Trump Russia. You, you said, well, this dossier, we, it seemed like it was ridiculous right from the get go. You, you, you didn't believe it. And then you find out, you find out it's all made up. And then you find out they're paying the guy who made it up and they knew that it was made up when they paid him. So it's like, so it's like, what? 
and, and on and on it goes. $30 million for the Mueller investigation, 19 lawyers, 40-some agents, $30 million bucks they spend on it. And what do we find? Oh, there was no collusion. I mean, it's, it's, it's always, it always like, and then you, you, you learn, oh, they, they raid the president's home 90, 91 days, uh, uh, 92 days before an election. And you're like, that's, that's crazy. But then you find out, oh, wait a minute. They knew about Joe Biden having classified documents before the election, and they didn't tell us about it. So it's always worse than you, you, what you initially hear. And that's the, 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 I guess, frustrating but also scary part of this. Um, and it's why, look, our, our whole effort is, I think we're, we're really focused kind of in, in, in a couple areas. One is this attack on free speech, with, whether it's DHS, FBI, the, the Twitter files, the stuff we've learned there, the State Department and this, this organization called GEC. So we're focused on the attack on free speech. Then we're focused also on the FBI and DOJ, how they've had this, this double standard, two different standards. And then there's some other areas that, that we also think some other agencies where there's been what we call the weaponization of government. And we're looking at all that, getting the facts on the table so we can propose legislation and maybe most importantly, use the appropriations process to limit some of the things these agencies are doing to the people they're supposed to serve. And that's what our effort's about um, in the committee. Congressman, last question for you because we don't have a ton of time here. But you went to the border on uh, last week, Tuesday, maybe I think it was, um, and yeah. we did speak about we did speak a little bit about that. Tell me uh, your thoughts on what we just saw—a um, horrific, vicious assault yeah. on a female border mm-hmm. patrol agent by one of these illegal aliens. Why is it that none of these things move the needle in the Biden administration? Why doesn't anybody? I mean, you know, I know their argument about asylees and everybody has the right to claim asylum and blah blah blah. But, I mean, we're, we're literally watching people get hurt. We're watching people die of fentanyl overdoses. We're watching attacks. Yep. We're watching violent crime rise. We're watching human trafficking. And now we're watching agents getting the, you know, uh, getting beaten to within an inch of their lives by these people. Wouldn't, wouldn't you think that any of these things would spark some kind of a call for change? You know what? We do, do, do need to do th- things a little bit differently down there on that border. You would think. I mean, how many parents, how many parents have to come forward and talk about how fentanyl has taken the life of one of their kids or with the mom the other day, I had a couple kids, and, um, you know, how many agents have to be attacked, how many people have to be attacked, how much, I mean, on and on it goes. I, I, I do not get this administration. This is probably the one that is most, because it, it's, it's been done intentionally. We've talked about this so many times, but the idea that the President of the United States, in a planned, premeditated, intentional fashion, would allow this to happen on our border, and and do it from the get-go, where where he the first day he announced no more wall, no more remain in Mexico while we evaluate your claim, and no more deportation for an immigration violation. They'll deport you if they if they know when you come across you're an immigrant and you and they find out you're a violent criminal, but they they hardly ever find that out. But the the fact that you you just made that change on day one, um, it's just sad, and and I think the country's beginning to see it because it's moving just from the border now clear across north and all throughout the country um so hopefully that's something that they'll take into account when they when they decide who's going to be their next commander-in-chief this uh female agent who was assaulted in this particular case apparently was injured very severely her face and her arms um i hope they yeah. show her face and i hope it becomes the face of this crime and of, of this problem and i and i mean that because her suffering should not be in vain nobody else can be allowed to suffer like this they have to get control of this because they have no earthly idea just yep. how violent and dangerous these they want everybody to think that everybody is coming who's coming across is just seeking refuge from a you know from a, a horrific situation and person in other countries, and they're all innocent people just looking for a chance somewhere else. And that's not the reality. The reality is there's some very, very dangerous there's, people coming here. There's so many 
for such a length of time now that the border patrol is overwhelmed. They've they've uh, they've, they've made border patrol now an essence processors, and it's just tough to to catch the, the the violent people too. Not to mention when you're so focused on processing the ones who are coming into the ports of entry, the folks who are sneaking in because you, you don't have the resources to watch the border like 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 they normally would. The bad guys are getting in through there uh, that 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 do some of this harm, and that is. Um, that's the problem. So we got to change it. You know what I'd like to find out, Congressman? I'd like to find out, you know how we're not meeting our military recruiting goals? You know how we can't get police officers to join new, uh, join yeah. departments? I wonder who's applying to be a Border Patrol officer in this America. I, I, I can't yeah. imagine they have a whole lot of people. I can't imagine anybody wanting to do that, considering what we see every day. Yep. No, it, it, it's tough. I, I talked to law enforcement. Border, we, we talked to Border Patrol agent. We were down there. God bless those guys, because it, it, in, in the world today, that is a tough, tough job, and they're the people who do it, that we can't thank them enough, but it, it's tough. And you think about what, what, what Joe Biden, remember what the president said about the guys with the riding the horseback and how they were using the reins? Yeah. It was complete fabricate, completely made up, not true one bit. And yet they ran those guys through the ringer uh, because they thought it would help them politically. Uh, yeah, who, who, you know, who, who wants to sign up for that today? But God bless the ones who do. Yeah, and you know, and I think the end of that story was they, of course, didn't charge them with anything because it was all fabricated. But they did make them go through training or something like that, retraining yeah. because of it. It's yeah. just a complete mess. Chairman of the Judiciary Committee, Jim Jordan. Uh, Chairman, thank you so much. We appreciate the time, sir. You bet. Thank you. There's Congressman Jordan. It's nine fifty-six. We'll take our time out now. We're going to take this up to the newscast. After the newscast, we'll have a we'll have an open segment before we talk to the City Council President of Wadsworth, Bob Thurber. He's going to join us to talk about the. Uh, the drag mess that's coming to Wadsworth on Saturday, possibly. That'll be at 1035. So I've got time for your calls if you get in line now at 216-901-0945 after the news on AM 1420 The Answer. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Right Radio with Bob Franz on AM 1420. The answer. Hour number two is underway now. Eight minutes past 10 o'clock. Good Monday morning to you. It is the sixth morning of the third month, year of our Lord 2023. Good conversation with Jim Jordan on a host of important topics. And uh, I hope uh, I hope uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci spends the rest of his life in prison. I do. What he did and what they have done is simply unforgivable. If you missed that part of the interview or you missed any of Jim Jordan's commentary on that, even yesterday on uh, Fox News with Maria Bartiromo, look it up. My interview with him uh, can be heard after the show today, around 1 o'clock or so, usually about an hour at the, after the end of the show. It'll be posted on the podcast page at whkradio.com. So um, here's one. This is just a quickie. I've got phone calls lined up here, and I'm waiting for you, too. 216-901-0945. If you're on hold, hang with me. If you're not on hold, dial now, and then you can hang with me. But this is just a quickie. Did you see what, uh, what Walmart is doing in the People's Republic of Portland, Oregon? They're closing. All of them. Portland is a good-sized American city. There will be no Walmarts in Portland, Oregon. Why? I'll give you 
three guesses, and two of them don't count. If you said crime, you'd be absolutely correct. If you said left-wing endorsed crime, you'd be even more correct, because this is what happens. Do you realize what an absolute joke the entire West Coast of the United States is? From Seattle up in the great Northwest down to Portland and Oregon, down a little further to San Francisco and Northern California, all the way down to uh, Los Angeles and Southern California, and even in San Diego, a little bit less so there, way down in Southern California. It is just an absolute communist hellhole. The entire Pacific Coast, it is just lawless, it is anarchist, it is chaos, Police can't do their jobs. Police are attacked. Police are defunded. Left-wing district attorneys just continue to smack violent criminals on the wrist. They don't even bother with the wrist smack for the, for the shoplifters. They do nothing. They basically announce we're not going to prosecute these things. We're not going to mess with the equity numbers in our jails. By, by locking up people who shoplift, because the overwhelming number of the people who shoplift are of one race. We're not screwing with that. No way. So they are between the, the police, the district attorneys, and the judges who barely ever even uh, sentence any of them to anything of substance. Um, crime is out of control. So much so, and you've seen the videos. I put the videos on my TV show. I've put videos of the ransacking of stores and the just the rampant, brazen, broad daylight shoplifting in stores. I put it on my TV show on True Blue, uh, True Blue Today. And if you haven't yet downloaded or, or not downloaded, uh, subscribed uh, to True Blue, the factual streaming uh, app that my show is on, uh, you should do that. The factual streaming network, True Blue. There's no ease. So look for it uh, at Watch True Blue, T-R-U-B-L-U. But about three episodes ago, episode six, by the way, just dropped over the weekend. You should check it out. But episode, I want to say two or three, um, that I did a couple of weeks ago, we, I featured a bunch of videos uh, of the uh, rampant shoplifting that is going on that is forcing stores to close. And in this case, Walmart, which is a behemoth, as you know. Walmart is one of the retail giants in America, if not the world. They won't even open stores in Portland anymore because they can't make a profit. They're going under. And the people are in danger because you know that nobody wearing one of those blue aprons uh, is or blue uh, you know uh, uh, Walmart uniforms is going to get in the way, but they are getting shoved out of the way. I mean, it's a dangerous thing when you give people a license to commit crime; they will not stop committing crime. It's just that simple. Give them a license. Tell them there's no repercussions. Tell them there's no way you're going to be arrested. There's no way you're going to go to jail. And what are they going to do? It's a free for all. So Walmarts are closing in Portland because of left-wing crime. Just to throw that out there. And it won't just be Portland. And it won't just be the Pacific Coast either. It'll be uh, in left-wings, you know, uh, uh, large urban centers all over America. That is just the reality of it. How could you possibly stop it? I mean, there are, there are Walgreens, you know, and CVSs and, you know, various drugstores and other places. <clears throat> that have significantly cut their hours back. They're only open like from you know 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. because once the sun even begins to go down, that's when they know they're getting hit the most, and that's when they uh, uh, they got to lock their doors because people are coming in. 
and just shoplifting like crazy, even though they're doing it in broad daylight too. You know, they they know when the most uh, you know serious times are, so they're just shutting down because they can't afford to stay open and lose more product when the when the criminal justice system will do nothing to bring justice to the criminals and get justice for the victims. Uh, so it's un- it's it's unbelievable, but it's also very very believable. It can be both of those things at once. Two one six nine zero one zero nine four five and triple eight two eight one eleven ten. Let's go to uh, Joanne in Twinsburg. First up, Joanne, go ahead. Hi, Bob. Um, I wanted to talk about this lack of standards for college and stuff like that. First of all, meritocracy I, not welcome. Yeah. Well, you know, when I was in school, we knew who the smart kids were. <laughs> right. We didn't begrudge them a thing. We knew who they were when I see them now, 50 years later, and they're successful people. They've earned what they've got and hold no grudges. And I don't understand that. But, you know, I'm looking at this new guy for well, the but, but, but just just to clarify, Joanne, yeah. you know, it's not about grudges. Nobody is holding grudges against the smart well, kids in the are. schools. What they want to do and what their goal here is, is to make sure um, that the not quite as smart kids from other schools get there instead of the smart kids in your schools that you didn't begrudge because they look different. They want to make sure well, that the campus is but diverse I mean, rather wrong. than the top of the, the best of the best. Yeah. I yeah. mean, the whole concept is just so wrong. I mean, you knew, like I said, you, you knew who the smart kids were. <laughs> well, the, you know, and, and the reality is, yeah, the reality is, Joanne, too, that, um, you know, meritocracy or merit, if you will, or achievement are, have been demonized as being synonymous with white privilege. Um, literally, you know, I mean, and we've even seen black commentators, minority commentators, the ones who are honest, speaking out and saying, Quit acting as if getting good grades makes you too white. Quit acting as if speaking (laughs) proper English is speaking white, because that's what happens. There are a lot of people of color who don't want to achieve academically, even though they might have absolutely the ability to. The brains, uh, the drive, they have all of the things that it takes to be successful, but they choose not to be because they they are considered to be trading on their race. If they do those well, things, I mean, they're being too white, and that and 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 that's just a that's just a crime in and of itself, isn't it? Well, I look at like these college standards. You know, do you really want the C student as your doctor? Oh, right. Do you really want the C student filling your prescription? I mean, they've just nominated this guy for the FAA who could not answer one aviation question. At, you know, at the federal government. I mean, You're right. I 0 for 7. He was 0 for 7. You questioned you, him. He could not answer one stinking question. <laughs> You're exactly right. And this would it's be the guy in it. charge of the airplanes flying in our skies. There are tens of thousands of flights in the air at any given time. And he's going to be the guy in charge of that. And he doesn't know anything about aviation. Right uh, on the ground. It's the same thing with air traffic controllers. Do you really want to get on a plane? With somebody who has no idea what's going on up there, running, disguised, I don't understand. You're spot on, and nobody's talking about that, by the way. That's, that story just kind of slipped by, and nobody's really paying attention to it. But Ted Cruz, and thank you for the call, Joanne. Ted Cruz did it, though. Ted Cruz, he's the one who kind of pinned him and, and, and cornered him. Uh, his name is Phil Washington. He's the CEO of the Denver in, in, International Airport. That's the extent of his experience in aviation, it would appear, because when it comes to actual aviation, he doesn't know anything. He was questioned by Ted Cruz, and he was given seven questions. 
about aviation that anybody who's going to be the FAA administrator should know. He wasn't five for seven, which is a little troubling. There's two things he didn't know. He wasn't three for seven, which is damn right scary. He was 0 for seven. He knew nothing about this that every single FAA administrator who's ever held a position before knows. But guess what? He looks the part. That's right. He's going to check a diversity box. And that's all Joe Biden has ever cared about for the two years of his administration. Diversity hire. Check. Black, uh, uh, black gay female must be the press secretary. Black female must be the Supreme Court nomination. Black female must be his vice president. Um, gay black uh, uh, promotions in the military. Or, I'm sorry, not gay black, uh, trans. I'm talking about Richard um, um, Levine. Um, uh, you know, the, who was Sam Brinton, the one who ended up stealing everything, the non-binary bald freak who uh, wears dresses, who, who ended up stealing stuff from airports. I mean, it's all about checking the diversity boxes, not about qualification. Look, I'm so glad Joanne called because she's furthering my commentary on merit. Meritocracy is the enemy of the left. It's literally the most evil word that they can come up with. It's worse than racism. It's worse than privilege. It's worse than sexism or uh, or, or transphobism or, homoph- or transphobia, I guess it would be, or homophobia. The word that they despise more than any other in the English language is merit. Because if you judge people based on merit, then all of these people in the identity politics realm, in the intersectionality of the American left, are going to come up short. So you can't hire people based on merit or else we're going to come up short. You can't put people in colleges based on merit because we're going to come up short. You can't give promotions. You can't give scholarships. You can't do these things based on who's best qualified for the job because it's going to mean that those who don't work as hard, try as hard, achieve as high, strive to achieve. Like I said, in terms of you know so many members of the black community telling their own members, their own, their fellow African Americans, you're white if you get good grades. You are being too white if you speak right. What's wrong with you? This is real, and don't take it from a white talk show host. Listen to them, because there are plenty of black commentators telling the truth about the community. And and so rather than achieving and earning merit, right, and proving that you've got the chops, the academic chops, to go to Columbia, and you can get a good score on the ACT or the SAT, that you're not going to cry about cultural bias and say, I shouldn't have to take that test, it's culturally biased. And you're not going to worry about looking or sounding too white if you do well. Or, or, and when are they going to start saying that, by the way? Looking or sounding too Asian. Because Asians do better than whites on all of those scores. And I've talked about that with Kenny Shu uh, on a number, of to- a number of occasions, of course. Asians are whatever they have to be for the moment. They're, they're like white people with privilege if they're, if they're being judged academically, uh, but they're like uh, people of color if there's an anti-Asian hate crime. Then they can demonize the whites for that. But it's a really, really disturbing thing. John is in um, Chardon. Hey, John, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Go ahead, sir. Hey, morning, Bob. Good morning, John. Uh, regarding the LGBTQ people that are coming to Wadsworth to demonstrate, uh, yeah. I served on Chardon City Council for two terms, eight years. And during that time, we had a similar situation. And what we decided to do when we spread the word around is just ignore it, you know? And so they didn't have an audience. So, you know, 
And we're going to talk to Bob Thurber, the uh, city council president of, uh, of Wadsworth, in about uh, 10, 10, 15 minutes. Um, and I hope that's what people do, because from what I'm hearing, John, <clears throat> it's not just going to be this, um, you know, this uh, all ages drag show, which, you know, people are trying to fight back against because of what it does to children, this, this attempted grooming uh, and a continuation of the grooming. Uh, but it's going to be more than that. There are going to be protesters, and then the, there are going to be counter-protesters to those protesters. And from what I hear, some of the more violent groups on both sides of that are going to descend upon Wadsworth on Saturday. So for that oh. reason alone, I'm with you. Stay away. Yeah. Stay home. Don't give it any oxygen. Don't give it a chance to breathe, this event. Uh, I hope uh, protesters stay away. That'll keep the counter-protesters away. They'll just stand there in front of the 10 or 20 people that uh, support this nonsense, and then they'll fade away, which is, uh, which is yeah. what I think is probably the best outcome. Yeah. They have to bring their own protesters with them if they want any. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? I'll tell you something. They'll bring their counter protesters. I have no doubt in my mind whatsoever that Aaron Reed, the uh, the organizer of this thing, this uh, LGBTQ calls himself the rock and roll humanist. This uh, this rabble rouser who's just looking to cause trouble. I have no doubt in my mind that he's been in contact with Antifa and other left wing groups to say, "Get here and have our backs in this thing." And that way, if anybody does yeah. protest. If anybody stands there and says, you know, children shouldn't be exposed to this stuff, uh, they're going to be intimidated. And then, you know, of course, there's going to be people on the other side and there's going to be a clash that we just don't need to see in Wadsworth. Yeah. 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 All right, my friend, John, well, thanks we'll for the call, pal. Happens. You got it. Yeah. Let, I hope you're, and you're right, by Thanks for the call. You are right, by the way. Your answer as to what happens is the best answer, and that is don't go. Ignore it. Um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of preach that you know it might sound like I'm being hypocritical here if I'm saying ignore it, but I'm about to have the city council uh, president of Wadsworth on, but I don't think that's the kind of ignoring that has to happen. I think a public statement needs to be made, multiple public statements need to be made from the leaders saying please do not show up there and exacerbate what could be a dangerous situation. Just stay away from it, and uh, hopefully that is that is uh, advice that is heated. So again, Bob Thurber will join me after the bottom of the hour at about 1035. But for now, quick time out and right back on Always Right Radio. So I started to talk about this a little bit earlier on the topic of meritocracy and giving people things that they haven't earned because they're too lazy or they're just disinterested in, in pursuing these things themselves, right? We, we had this conversation. I mean, there's a ton of examples of it, by the way. Um, I think in Oregon, is in Oregon? Remember I was talking about the left coast? Oregon is planning to give every homeless person like $1,000 a week, or is it $1,000? I think it's $1,000 a month. No strings attached. No requirements. No, you have to do a little bit of work. No, you have to be looking for a job. No, you have to try to find a way out of it. Nope, just here's a thousand bucks. Go, you go buy drugs. Go buy alcohol. Go buy whatever it is that you want with it. It doesn't matter. It's just giving stuff away. Well, the other example again was California, which for some reason, as a non-slave state, has decided that they owe reparations to descendants of slaves, which is just bizarre. But it was a couple of um, months ago that they said the first um, payments would be $220,000 to every Californian who could provide, and I don't know how they're going to f- track these things, but evidence of their own um, uh, uh, 
the the racism and the and the oppression that they have suffered through the generations dating back to the time of slavery. Well, they have revised this now. The California Reparations Task Force now says that two hundred twenty thousand dollars for every black citizen in the state should be three hundred sixty thousand dollars. So, mind you, these are these are state tax dollars paid for by state taxpayers, including all races of state taxpayers. And this money is being given to only African Americans, even though these are African Americans who have never, ever endured slavery. But that's not the really fun part of the story. The fun part of the story that I hit on very briefly before is that the argument now is that this is not just an investment in, in, in terms of reparations to make things right for people who have suffered oppression, even though they never suffered under slavery. This is also a, a really good way to cut down on crime. The only thing that would stop our children from busting into these liquor stores, says uh, uh, a, an equal opportunity activist speaker at the reparations hearing, I'm trying to find the name, Ward Connerly. The only thing that would stop our children from busting into these liquor stores There's only one thing that would stop our kids from busting into these jewelry stores, stealing watches and jewelry, and that's reparations, end quote. In other words, crime will be cut down because rather than making them steal the money, we'll just give it to them. You you, you catch that? In order to stop them from stealing money, we'll just give it to them ahead of time. Here's a check for $360,000. do not spend it too fast because that's the only check. What do you think happens when you give somebody $360,000 that didn't earn it? The same thing that happens to every multimillionaire lottery winner. They blow it. And then what are they doing? They're right back to playing the lottery. And what do you think is going to happen if you give $360,000 to people to tell them, don't steal anymore? Here you go. Here's some money. You don't have to steal for it anymore. We'll just give it to you. Yeah, they won't be back to stealing in two seconds either, will they? We'll be, uh, this is, don't earn it. Don't work for it. Don't prove you have merit. Just sit by long enough and we will give you whatever you want. That's the mentality. And that's the problem. It's 1030. We'll get news. We'll come back. Bob Thurber is the city council president in Wadsworth. We'll talk to him about what's coming Saturday right here on AM 1420. Giving you reason in the age of unreason. Always right radio with Bob France and the answer. 1037 now. Always right radio on AM 1420. The answer. Appreciate you joining us. Uh, if you missed the conversation I had earlier on with uh, Jim Jordan, Congressman Jim Jordan, you should uh, most definitely uh, check out the podcast at the end of the show. At about 1 o'clock or so, it should be posted at uh, whkradio.com. Go to the podcast page. I want to welcome to the program now a special guest. Um, I just became aware of a letter that was written by the city council president of the city of Wadsworth to um, the, uh, is it to the mayor? Actually, I have to double check that now. But um, it was a letter written in opposition to any kind of a permit being granted Granted to this um, rabble-rousing extremist that is going to try to turn the park in Wadsworth on Saturday into what might be a battle zone. Bob Thurber is the city council president. He'll join us now on AM 1420, The Answer. Bob, thanks for the time this morning. How are you? Well, thank you. I'm well, Bob. Uh, well, yeah, let me, let me be real clear. Please. My letter uh, 
is not necessarily in opposition. What I because she hasn't made a stance yet, mm-hmm. uh, and that puts uh, council members in kind of an awkward position. We get dozens and dozens of phone calls, collectively hundreds probably, uh, and they're just asking, "Is the mayor or Robert Patrick or Matt Iscock is somebody going to issue a permission a permit uh, for this this event that they want to have a drag queen show story hour thing?" And uh, I know they've had multitudes of meetings and they've done all sorts of things and, and bless them for that. But they haven't come up with an answer yet to that question. And so people think it's city council, i.e. me as president of city council and the rest of us mm-hmm. that are making that decision. I just want to be real clear. That's not what we do. Uh, but what we can do in future events is this. Uh, we'll, I want us to look at legislation, uh, as you might know, of course. Because uh, you're up on all these things, I, I know that. Uh, Tennessee has uh, put forth legislation. I think it's passed now. I think it goes sometime in April. Uh, there's actually there's lit- actually a bevy of states that have done that, Tennessee being one of them, mm-hmm. yeah, but not the only one. There's a lot of states that are passing similar legislation to what you're about to talk about right now, and that is to ban these adult-oriented themed uh, type of performances from um, uh, for people under age of 18. I think it's interesting. All of the calls I've had, and I've polled the jury, every other city councilman, the ones I've talked to, and everyone says the same thing. Nobody cares anymore about the, you have all the drag queen shows you want wherever you want, but don't drag the kids into this, and it's all about the kids. And that's why we would like to, uh, at least I would like to put forth legislation, work on this. Uh, Man, there's nothing more important to me than our kids. The rest of it is, you know, we do good with roads and streets, and we keep the lights on and all that other stuff. But boy, kids, I mean, that's our future. And Different story. You know, yeah. I, yeah, I uh, just had my first grandson three weeks ago today. Congratulations. And, uh, well, it kind of refocuses a little bit, too. You think, hey, wait a minute. There's people out there that would do this this, this lovely child harm. And uh, I, I, I'm not saying these folks. I'm just saying that there seems to be a bit in society that says, yeah. Anything's. I don't believe that. Not anything. We can't just let anything go. It's all about our children, our children, our children. And I believe there's still in America community standards that every community can stand up and say, no, 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 not here. Somewhere, sure. You can go to Las Vegas or wherever you want and have different things. But but our little humble, you know, abode here of 24,010 people, uh, you know what? This is what we think. This is how we want to, you know, do that. We're not trampling anybody's. First Amendment rights, they can stay and do anything they want, but don't drag our children into it. Uh, that's kind of the uh, the message uh, that I think that uh, is well heard here. I think everybody yeah, agrees with that. I, that is very important. And, and by the way, when I introduced you and said you oppose, you said, well, there hasn't been a decision made for you to oppose. But obviously, since you support this type of legislation and you're going to be asking Wadsworth City Council to consider that, you do oppose this event that is coming up on Saturday. You hope that this oh, is something. Sure. Uh, oh, sure. Oh, yeah, the, yeah. I wouldn't want to. Yeah, I want to be. I just wanted to be clear about that. So, because that's what this Saturday is all about. I've, um, absolutely, you know, I've, I've been describing this over the course of the last few weeks since, since this whole thing became public, and even in the uh, city council meeting in which Aaron Reed gave his very, very vitriolic, hate-filled uh, remarks uh, to you. He's proclaiming that this is a memorial event to raise funds yeah. for, you know, for, uh, for, uh, you know, the victims of a of a terrible mass shooting at the Pulse Nightclub. Mm-hmm. But, but the reality is, charities don't want anything to do with them because this isn't a charitable event. This 
is an attempt to cause problems. It is an attempt to, in my view, to bring some chaos and some anarchy to a very conservative town that he despises for its conservatism. So he's bringing radical extremists into town to cause problems. And it's for that reason that I'm with you and anybody else who says you can't grant a permit for this. You can't allow this to happen here. It's not a, you, I think you, you clarified it very well in your letter. This isn't a free speech issue. This is an issue where he is trying to prove a point and he's trying to create a problem. Yeah, I, and that's very obvious. Uh, I, I don't know if you got a chance to look at any of the, the meeting uh, two Tuesday nights ago, but um, we had 40-some people there. He had uh, Aaron Reed. He had him, his wife, and maybe two other people. One of them was from Cleveland. And I thought it interesting. Everybody who, who approached it, and we give them two minutes, they were well-reasoned. They were polite. They didn't, you know, have invictives. They were just, you know, just stand and deliver. Every parent would be happy with what was said there. But these people are just spoiling for a fight. They want to create chaos. And, and I guess you're allowed to do that. You know, you're allowed to protest, and, but, you know, uh, I tell you what, though, we're also allowed to say not on my watch when it becomes a safety issue. And I, I know City of Wadsworth spent thousands of dollars so far, you know, on different types of and I can't go into it, obviously, and shouldn't. But, you know, just to protect our citizens in case this thing definitely goes off. Uh, but I see it clearly as a safety issue. Uh, I don't see how you see it any other way. And you're right. Everybody has really distanced themselves from from this man and his, you know, it's just it just really, really uh, how how uh, I don't know. It just well, uh, it just hardens me that this this could go on. Me too, me too. And and you know it, it, the idea that they're trying to make the people who oppose this type of event ought to be the haters or the ones who are the you know the, the 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 real evil people here. When all we're doing is saying, and I know there's a catchy little rhyme that people have come oh, up with that says oh, 18 yeah. plus gets rid of us but it's right uh, bob and we're talking to bob thurber, yeah. thurber if you just turned us on he's the uh, city council president in, in wadsworth 18 plus gets rid of us means if you just do your show and your whatever weird performances you know i'll, I'll take weird away because i don't want to be the one who, who's who's you yeah, know, the yeah. attacker here Take your performances, whatever they're like, and keep them in front of an 18 and over audience in the same way that you have at a strip club or any other kind of a show like that. Sure. Um, and we don't have a problem here, but when you bring it out in front of children and say all ages welcome, we don't let all ages go to strip clubs. We don't let, let no. all ages go to bars. There are limits uh, and age restrictions because of the fact that children are young and impressionable and preformative in their in their development, and uh, and they're not supposed to be exposed to inappropriate material. How is that so? What, what, how is that such a crazy notion that we should protect kids from adult material? Yeah, it doesn't make sense. I can't take my five year old. I don't have one, but if I had one, I couldn't take my five year old to a tattoo shop and say, "Yeah, she she really wants a butterfly. She loves butterflies. She wants a butterfly tattoo." Now that's be irresponsible, right? Because they're so impressionable at that age. You know, you well, can talk them in and out of everything and sure. anything. Absolutely. Because you're and, their parent. Yeah. And, 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 and here's the thing. If you bring a whole bunch of adults with tattoos and put them in front of kids and say, doesn't that look great? And, and, and wouldn't you like to have one of those? What do you think they're going to want to do? And that's what of this course. drag thing is intended to do. That's why many it of us is. call this, I think, accurately. And they don't like this. They call it pejorative. But it's grooming. It is grooming kids into yeah, something I, I hate to use sexual. the word, but I, I kind of see it that way. Yeah. yeah. It's, so, it's, 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 
So, so Bob, let me let me ask you this: um, we're, the clock is ticking here. We're five days away yeah, from Saturday, I know. Um, and a decision has not yet been made. Who does make the call as to whether or not they get this permit? So we're a statutory city, and so that lays out a little bit different than than all the cities around us, quite quite frankly. Uh, and so in our in our world, uh, city council stays in in their lane, which is really two different things. Uh, we we do we approve a budget, the mayor's budget. And we also do legislation, those two things. But the mayor and her appointees, which in this case are a service director and a safety director, would be the one, either one of those can sign off on this permit. And, and uh, when, when do you think they plan to make that call? Again, considering wow, the time TikTok. now. TikTok. I know. I yeah. just, uh, I'm, I'm a little surprised. Uh, they're diligent people, not taking that away from them. They really are. Uh, but, but, I mean, it's been weeks now. And so I would. I would anticipate if I were Aaron Reed, I would want to know too. All right, he's on the other side of this. Uh, he's, you know, I don't know where they're at in the permitting process because they really haven't told anybody. Mm-hmm. And I, I think time's drawn short. I think they, they, I won't be surprised in the next day or two. They, but, but again, they have not communicated that to. So, so let let's assume on both sides of this and tell me what you think the city's um, plan of action should be. Let's assume they do grant the permit and this event happens, even though I think it'll be very sparsely attended on the side of the quote unquote supporters. I do sure. think that they may bring in people from outside that might be the um, you know the type of rabble rousers we've seen in other events, whether they be Antifa or other very strong left wing mm-hmm. organizations with a history of violence, which will automatically draw uh, potentially violent clashes with other counter-protesters. So let's assume for a second, Bob, that they do grant this permit. How does Wadsworth plan to keep the peace if that happens? Well, that that goes to our safety director. And, uh, you know, and he shouldn't. He hasn't really shared his plan because, you know how that is. There's leak out and then everybody knows and they respond to the plan. So so I, I will uh, – not be able to answer that, uh, but but I do trust Matt Hiscock implicitly. I think he's uh, he's a great guy and he has a good vision for this, and he's pulled a lot of people in. So I think they've got a good plan. But you know how <laughs> what they say: everybody has a plan until you get punched in the face, uh, and then you know all bets are off, right? Uh, so so we would just prefer to avoid this altogether, uh, and I think there's good precedent for that. I know Delaware County's library. Uh, said, nah, not on, we can't do it. It's too volatile. There's too much potential for violence. And uh, I think a Red Oak uh, County school may have also done that uh, up near Columbus. Uh, so, same thing. They were going to use the school for an event, and they, they divorced themselves from it. So speaking hypothetically then, uh, yeah. again, we're talking to Bob Thurber. If you just turned us on, Bob is the city council president in Wadsworth where this planned event is supposed to happen. This LGBTQ drag uh, story hour slash performance is supposed to happen. Um, so if it goes the other way and uh, the permit is yeah. denied by the safety director, service director, mm-hmm. and mayor, and so forth, if it's denied and uh, they claim this is and was a violation of our First Amendment rights to both speech and sure. assembly, peaceable assembly we weren't planning anything violent we were going to be peaceful we were going to read and have music uh you violated our first amendment rights we're going to sue the city over that um how do you how are you going to respond to that well obviously um we'll respond the very best way we can uh i i think that we stand on pretty good ground i mean we again city council hasn't made any dis- we haven't even had any discussions about this yet i think That's bizarre. Uh, yeah well i know it is and it isn't we've had a lot on our plate 
strangely, this uh, is turned into a rather large. I kind of always thought it would melt away, to be honest. So I misjudged that. Um, yeah, I think that cities get sued all the time. I think we'll work our way through it. I think our citizens would rather stand here than just keep moving the goalposts and hoping it doesn't get worse. And it will. It always does, right? Um, so I think I think we'll see. Yeah, I think so we'll what, what is your message plan. or your advice, if you would, uh, Bob Thurber, to the citizens of Wadsworth or anybody in Northeast Ohio is listening who might be wanting to drive out to Wadsworth and catch a peek of the uh, situation? I mean, uh, I've been telling people in my it's my best advice, not that my advice means anything to anybody, but don't give it any oxygen. Don't give it any air to breathe. Let, it, let it fade away and don't show up. That's kind of what I've been saying. Yeah, that's a beautiful message. I say, you know, find a good restaurant, go out to eat. Just leave them alone. They'll die of atrophy. They'll die of lack of oxygen. Uh, they they don't have a preponderance of people who are dying to go to this thing. They could only get four people to come to the open city council, for heaven's sakes. Uh, you know, so I, I just think if everybody stays away, you know, I think it'd be a beautiful thing. In particular, those from out of town. Uh, we really don't need you coming in to... To, to go to bat for us, we thank you. We appreciate your thoughts and prayers, as always. But I particularly your prayers, your thoughts don't do much for us. But anyway, yeah. uh, you know, I, yeah. I just, I really feel that if, if we just stay back, you know, stay away, uh, I think that there, the there, there is that train wreck appeal, though, you know, that people have. Oh, I mean, uh, I, I kind of even <laughs> said, I mean, I'm not going to be around because I'm going to be emceeing the, the Cleveland Right to Life event, the back, Bring America Back to Life thing in Independence oh, on Saturday. Good. But uh, but I even said if I wasn't doing that, I'd probably want to go catch a peek. And I know that's very yeah. tempting for people to want to go it catch is. a peek and see, know. you know, if something goes down here. But, you know, I, I think it's a bad idea <laughs> to bring more attention and more it eyes is. to something. I mean, not. I, have a good- I don't regret this conversation, Bob Thurber, and I don't regret um, you guys holding the city council meeting on. I mean, it does deserve attention because it's something that is newsworthy and it could be impactful. But I hope people give it the right attention, and that is to say, this is what's happening. Here are the dangers that this thing is fraught with, and this is why we should not go and be a part of that. So, from that standpoint, we should give it attention enough to say to people, don't give it personal attention on the day of. Right. Yeah. Well said. Thank you. Well, Bob Thurber, um, um, uh, I, I hope maybe we can uh, talk again later this week once we get an answer from the decision makers there in the city about whether this is going to happen. And if so, well, we'll, uh, we'll bring you back on or anybody else from Wadsworth who wants to talk about this. And, sure. and again, just counsel people to do your best to don't rubberneck this thing. Don't let your voyeurism get the best of you. It's hard. It is. Like I said, I would thought, I thought it about is. it too. It is. But, but try to try to get control of that urge to go and watch a train wreck happen. Don't. And boy, what a bad metaphor in this day and age, considering how many <laughs> Trains are wrecking throughout the state of Ohio. Yeah, yeah I don't mean it that way. Sorry, that's just a euphemism. Sorry, um, but yeah, let's try to keep uh, keep away from this thing. But uh, Bob, keep us posted on uh, when this decision is made. Okay. Very good. Thank you, Bob France. Appreciate thank, thank, it a bunch. Thank you. Appreciate that. That's Bob Thurber. He's the uh, city council president in Wadsworth. He does not want this to happen. And moreover, he wants legislation in Wadsworth to pass to say this can never happen when you're dealing with children. That's it. Just this is about protecting kids. It's not about adults. It's not about restricting anything. Uh, It's a matter of appropriateness for children. And Tennessee is one state. It's not the only state, though, that is looking to pass um, legislation that does the same thing statewide. And I've got a host of states here that I'll tell you about that that uh, that are pushing for legislation like that. And I can tell you which one of them isn't. It's the one we're sitting in right now. 1053. I'll be right back.
So just a quick follow-up here before the top of the hour, and uh, this is a good time for you to dial, by the way, because we'll take calls right after the top of the hour news, 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. So Bob Thurber uh, was talking about Tennessee, and he's right. Tennessee passed the first uh, the nation's uh, first law limiting drag shows uh, and keeping them away from kids. But I mentioned to him that there is a handful of states, and there is, that are doing something similar. Arizona. Arizona's drag ban would characterize drag shows as part of adult-oriented performances. It would then outlaw adult-oriented performances um, for anybody under 15. I still think that's too low because adult means 18, but it says artists that perform in front of children under 15 would be subject to at least 10 years in prison and forced to register as sex offenders. So that's pretty strong. I just wish it was 18 and not 15, but there you go. Arkansas. Arkansas introduced Senate Bill 43 with explicit language prohibiting drag shows from being performed on public property around minors. This provision would serve to better protect children from sexually explicit content, which extended to things like drag queen story hours, where drag queens read to kids in places like schools or libraries. So that's pretty good. Idaho. Legislators introduced a ban on drag in public spaces February 27th. Through this bill, parents would be able to sue event organizers and promoters that permit minors to watch shows that have sexual conduct. I like that. Kansas, Senate Bill 149. This measure would expand the crime of promoting obscenity to include drag shows in front of minors. Solid. Kentucky. State legislator voted to advance their anti-drag bill, which would prohibit drag performances from taking place on public property where they could be seen by children. Missouri, House Bill 1364. Montana, House Bill 359. Nebraska, Legislative Bill 371. Oklahoma, 2186. South Carolina, 585. Texas, West Virginia. Kill that music so I can read Ohio's. The red state of Ohio with a supermajority in both houses or both chambers of the General Assembly. The red governor, the red lieutenant governor, the red uh, um, attorney general. Yeah, the red state of Ohio protecting kids against drag. Not a word. Coming up on 11 o'clock, I welcome your thoughts. 216-901-0945 right here on Always Right Radio. This hour of Always Right Radio is brought to you by Keeping Medicare Simple and The Floor King. You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead, who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis, didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. 
is Always Right Radio with Bob France on AM 1420, The Answer. Ten minutes after 11 o'clock. And hour number three is underway on this Monday. It is the sixth morning of the third month of the year of our Lord, 2023. So, people, uh, people who support this, this radical, child-abusive, child-grooming that we talk about all the time that comes in the form of these drag shows... You ever notice that in drag shows where the guys like to dress like women? Do you ever notice none of them dress like Mrs. Doubtfire, do they? None of them are wearing, you know, a modest blouse with a brooch and a cardigan sweater over it and long support hose. None of them look like Dustin Hoffman in Tootsie. Remember Tootsie? You ever see Tootsie? I never did. But I know Dustin Hoffman starred in it, and he had to cross-dress as a woman. I don't remember what the, I don't even know what the plot of the movie is. I just see the pictures of him. In fact, there's a meme that's bouncing around uh, right now um, on Facebook, and it's got um, a, and Twitter, I think, too, a whole bunch of images of people, you know, males in female clothing through the years. And the, the and I don't have the meme in front of me right now, so it's largely irrelevant, but. It was something to the effect of, we've been watching drag entertain us all of our lives, and now it only becomes a problem? And it shows Dustin Hoffman, and it shows you know, Robin Williams as Mrs. Doubtfire, and it shows a bunch of the... Oh, remember uh, Tom Hanks in uh, Bosom Buddies? The two guys who pretended to be women in order to be able to live in their apartment? I think it was a women's only apartment or something like that. Um, all of those. And there's, there's just a whole bunch. One of them was Bugs Bunny dressed as a, as a female bunny. And it said, you know, you've been entertained by men in drag all these decades for your entire lives, and only now it's a problem. And, of course, my response would be the response of any reasonable, you know, even modestly intelligent person is show me any one of those in- individuals wearing fishnet stockings, thigh-high fishnet stockings and thongs, and push-up bras to push up fake breasts. Show me sexualized twerking of any one of those individuals shaking their rear ends in the face of little kids. And you can't. Don't tell me. That's not drag. That's costuming for the sake of, obviously, you know, a plot line in a movie. Do you know, here's, I'm going to throw something to you super quick before I go back to the phones. Here's something I can tell you. When I was around eight or so, maybe, I dressed as a woman for Halloween, con- uh, Halloween for trick-or-treating one night. My mother fashioned two um, uh, foam, not foam rubber, what is it, st- soft, spongy stuff, uh, not, it's not styrofoam either, it's like, it's like whatever, some kind of a foam rubber, whatever it was, um, two big boobs. I wore one of her blouses. It looked more like Mrs. Doubtfire than anything else. I wore a wig, and I wore a dress, and I went as a woman. Um, Because you're just supposed to dress as something other than what you are, something different. It was like eight. Today, if I said I wanted to do that, or if a child says they want to do that for Halloween now, costume, not cross-dressing, not drag-showing, but simply for the purposes of a costume, which is being something you're not. And by the way... I also was Batman. 
on a couple of occasions trick-or-treating, but I did not think that I was in a bad cave and that I was a, th- a crime fighter. You dress up as things for Halloween, and today, if a little boy said, I'll go as a woman, if they're in the wrong family with the wrong parents, surrounded by the wrong people, and in the wrong classroom, surrounded by the wrong teachers, somebody's going to refer them to a, a doctor or a therapist to get them started on their transition. Right or wrong? That's today. That's what happens. I'll tell you another one. As long as I'm opening up my childhood closet here, my mother had a picture of me when I was like five or four or something like that. I don't know. I was young, very young. She's got a picture of me, and it was in our family photo album for years. I used to get so embarrassed by it. But, but this is to make the point. I'm willing to talk about it on television. She's got a picture of me playing with every – I had a sister – playing with a little bit of everything that we owned. She has a picture of me walking down our front sidewalk in a football jersey, number 24, Colts. It wasn't actually, it didn't say Colts, it wasn't licensed, but it was blue with the white stripes. It looked like the Indiana, or the uh, then the Baltimore Colts. I had a number 24 football jersey on and a football helmet. I had a baseball glove on my left hand. And on my right hand, in my right hand, I was pushing a baby carriage that was my sister's with a doll in it. I was a little bit of everything in that picture for that moment. And it used to just be so much fun. My mother would make fun of me and tease me and whatever. You know, remember that? And yeah, I do. I remember it. I was five. So I must have been five. I think most, I think most uh, doctors will tell you that children start forming memories at five, not four. So I must have been five. Anyway, if a kid did that today and they're in the wrong family with the wrong parents and they're around the wrong people, and in the wrong classroom with the wrong teachers and the wrong guidance counselors, that kid is going to be referred for non-binary transition. Start changing the pronouns now. They don't know if they're a boy or girl. They're, they're pushing a baby carriage and wearing a football helmet and a baseball glove. They don't know what they are. That's a they right there. That's not a he. That's a they. They have to get uh, uh, you know with the uh, transition process to being a non-binary, a non-binary identity immediately. There was a time, my friends, there was a time when PBS sounded like Mr. Rogers. You you remember this, right? We've 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 done this. Whoops, hold on a second. Let's let's get this whole thing here. Mr. Rogers, you want to take that from us? This is what PBS used to be look be like. Come on, Mr. Rogers. Yeah, I don't know why we're not hearing that now. All right, I'll fix that, uh, and I'll get it. I'll get it up. Oh, here it is. I'm sorry. Boys are boys are boys from the beginning. If you were born a boy, you stay a boy. Girls are girls right from the start. If you were born a girl, you stay a girl and grow up to be a lady. Everybody's fancy. Everybody's fine. Your body's fancy, and so is mine. That's what PBS sounded like in um, the 1980s, 70s and 80s. That's what PBS sounded like. PBS understood what they were teaching children, was what children should know. Facts of life, facts of existence, facts of growth, facts of maturity, facts of puberty. This is what they were only boys can be the daddies yes sir everybody's fancy everybody's fine your body's fancy 
and so is. Now this is PBS Today. This is literally PBS NewsHour talking to a couple from Bloomington, Indiana, who wanted everybody to know this. Our daughter is 10 years old. Um, she started letting... Their daughter is a boy, by the way. ...us know that um, she was transgender, really, um, before she could even speak. She would do things like wear her sister's clothes, um, pretend that towels were her long hair, and when she was about three years old, um, she started to withdraw and become depressed. So we started doing some research. We um, talked to her pediatrician. So PBS used to teach kids biology and facts of life, and now they teach kids to change their identities. And now they teach parents to teach their kids to change their identities. And now you wonder why we push back against things like the Wadsworth Grooming Festival which is what they're trying to bring to that park. And they tried to bring to a business in Wadsworth. Now you know why. Because little kids are going to see grown men d- dancing around in their underwear, or more specifically in sexualized clothing, and then they're going to go home and put on girls' clothing, and then parents are going to say, Oh my goodness, Johnny is trans. Look at that. He was inspired, and he knows he's a girl too. And away we go. But no, the LGBTQ trans movement, there's no agenda, not at all. It's not grooming at all. Dan is in Wadsworth, and he's now on AM 1420, The Answer. Dan, good morning. Go right ahead. Morning, Bob. How are you doing? Doing well. What's on your mind? Yeah, I just, I've, I've heard you know, you're talking about people not showing up for this thing and just ignoring it. And I wanted to comment Trying that, you know, okay, this thing, yeah, well, this thing started in Wadsworth. The man who's organizing this is from Wadsworth. And he made it a point to go, I mean, after he lost his first venue, he lost his charity sponsor, he lost his drag queens, everything else, he made a point to go to the city council or go to the city to get a permit for this park. And he goes to the city council, you know, he sits for the Pledge of Allegiance, he sits for the prayer, he calls everybody in the room bigots, he says basically one of his people came in and said, small town life is obsolete, is what he said, that they were there to show us the right way. That's why I think it's very important for people to show up to show their opposition to this. Now, I'm not saying to come out there hollering and screaming or toting your firearms or anything else. But there are already people going out there to oppose this. We don't want to leave them hanging because creeps from all over the state, and I don't even go farther than that, are already coming to this because this Mr. Reed has invited them. He's been on social media all over the place bringing, we've got armed Antifa types coming in, probably yeah. all wannabes. Yeah. yeah. You know, all these people are coming into town. So I say, <laughs> I think we need to stand up and show our small town values are not obsolete. Where we show up and we peacefully protest that we don't agree with this because ignoring evil does not conquer evil. Ignoring it's what got us to this position in the first place, in my opinion. Because we have been ignoring it. Dan, I, I, fully, I fully respect your opinion and don't disagree with it largely. I don't. Um, I want to push back, too, and I want to say this is our values, and I don't want to give them the run of the place. But I'm, you know, I'm thinking of Charlottesville, 
You know, um, there were peaceful people there, too, who just wanted to say, no, don't tear that statue down. There were peaceful people there. These are the ones Donald Trump talked about when he said these are fine people, they're very fine people. There were fine people there who just wanted to argue that this should not come down. They weren't part of a hate group. They weren't part of a neo-Nazi group. They weren't carrying tiki torches. They were just people there saying, we have a permit to say, don't take this down. That's what they were there for. But they were also then joined by, even though they didn't want their joining, they didn't want their help by the actual neo-Nazis who were only too too quick and too ready to start throwing down with the Antifa thugs on the other side. And so, you know, that's the reason we say ignore it, don't go to it, because we want to avoid a Charlottesville. We want to avoid a violent conflict that's going to cause, you know, injuries to people and damage to property, hoping that if they just show up there by themselves, they're playing to a crowd of no one, uh, and they're convincing no one, and uh, then they go away and they fade away, that it might be the best option. I do understand every point you just made, but do you understand that one? That, you know, they, no, you're, you're, they're going to bring, bring the Antifa people, and that's going to draw but, the but other side, the and away we that, go. Bob. But here's the problem with that, Bob, yeah. is you're basically saying that we cannot be trusted. We, the good guys, cannot be trusted not to let all this happen. If we go there and we police our own, we have nothing to worry about. We are well, there to show ex- who ex- we are. Except for not, the fact that, not, yeah, but, but except for the fact that violence has started, Dan, if violence is started by one of these out-of-town out Antifa nuts who swings on somebody for, for, for a saying and maybe, I don't know, maybe the good guys who are being peaceful, but as you say, protesting, pushing them back, maybe chanting about, you know, uh, you know driving the, you know, the drag show being wrong and whatever. I'm not a chant maker, so I'm not going to make one up here. But, <laughs> but, but, but if one of those nuts throws on somebody and punches somebody, Somebody and starts a violent act. It's gonna re- there's gonna be reciprocal violence, even if you're good a good guy. If you're one of the good guys, which I believe you are, and all the people you're talking about are, um, you know, nobody's gonna allow themselves to be pummeled. There's go- there's gonna have to be a, a, a self defense right. situation, and that's when we run into something that just gets out of control in a hurry. So I don't. There's no Can right answer or wrong story? answer. I just truly Can I tell you a little story real quick. Well, I, I would say yes, but this I can't. Answer, well, yeah, I just I got a ton of people on hold, so I've got to get some more. Thank you, Dan, for the call, though. I really do appreciate it. It's there's no right or wrong answer here. I just think it's a it's a difficult situation, no matter what you choose to do, ignore it or go and confront it. It's it's potentially bad both ways. That's that's re- reality, which is why I hope the real answer is what I talked about with Bob Thurber, that the decision makers, the safety director and the mayor in Wadsworth do not grant the permit. Don't let it happen. And if they show up, then arrest them because they didn't have a permit. That's what I'm hoping. Uh, staying in Wadsworth, Dave, uh, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Go ahead, Dave. Hi, Bob. How are you doing today? Good. What's on your mind, Dave? Uh, I just wanted to touch base. Uh, the whole thing with the Drag Queen show in Wadsworth, I've had a couple conversations with people about it. And uh, my question to anybody out there, you know, as a society, would we accept if somebody came into any of our towns and said they were going to have a heterosexual male story time with children and then proceed to show up and talk to them about sexuality. Would that would that be acceptable for a heterosexual male to talk to children about that? <laughs> you know, we would be we would be we would be chastised and and probably arrested for pedophilia. Yeah, for you know, obscenities, yet, for pandering obscenities to minors, sure. Correct. But yet you put <laughs> lipstick and makeup and fishnets on them and we're supposed to accept that as okay? Because that's diversity and that's inclusive. 
That's you right, know what I mean. But I mean, <laughs> heterosexuals are the yeah, but heterosexuals are the majority. You can't do something like that if you're the majority. That's obscenity. But if you're in a minority, if you're gay or in the LGBTQ movement, well, now this is inclusivity. That's just well, the, even that's the, even if it's the same exact. That's a great example you just gave, Dave. Even if it's the exact same message, but one is a heterosexual, the other one is wearing makeup and uh, and and fishnet hose, and is a and is a guy uh, who who says he's a woman. One one is accept. One is worthy of applause and inclusivity, and the other one is is demonized and pedophilia. So right, it's and a great you know example. it's like it's it's like down in Florida whenever they had the "Don't Say Gay" bill or what they deemed it as. Right. You know, right. whenever I looked into that, it was saying that you're just not allowed. What we're trying to pass legislation is you are not allowed to talk to children in a school system before fourth grade. Right. That, and, uh, about and, about and, about and, any uh, like, and it should be further than that. I think Nikki Haley was on something. I agree, <laughs> yeah. I agree. But you know, I, I just sat there and I'm like, you're you're you want us to 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 say it's okay. You're you're saying it. Don't say gay because you want to talk to children before the fourth grade about their sexuality. Yep, because that's when they're at their most impressionable. That's when they're at their most impressionable. Dave, I got to run here. I appreciate it. I'm up against the break. Stay a boy, girls. Mr. Rogers, take us right from the start. If you were born a girl, you stay a girl and grow up to be a lady. Everybody's fancy. Everybody's fine. Your body's fancy. And so... This hour of Always Right Radio is brought to you by The Floor King and Keeping Medicare Simple. Girls grow up to be the mommies. Boys grow up to be the daddies. Everybody's fancy. Everybody's fine. Your body's fancy, and so is mine. Everybody put up your hands for my boy, Fred Rogers, straight out of the Trophy, PA. Fred Rogers in the house. You know, everybody's fancy. You, me, born a boy, you stay a boy. Everybody's fancy. You, me, everybody's fancy. Everybody's fine. Your body's fancy, and so is mine. Boys are boys from the beginning. Girls are girls right from the start. Now only boys can be men, only girls can be ladies Just like the leather trim in the back of my fans When you're cruising down the street and it happens again When you know she's a bobby but she thinks she's a can When you're out on the green, watch your ass on the caddies Only girls can be mamas, only boys can be daddies Now you're in LA, in the streets, it's the daughters But when you're in the hood, it's my boy, Mr. Rogers Everybody's fancy You Me Everybody's fancy Everybody's fine Your body's fancy and so is mine Some are fancy on the outside Me Some are fancy Fancy on the inside. Me. Everybody's fancy. Everybody's fine. Your body's fancy, and so is mine. Born a boy, you stay a boy. Girls are girls right from the start. That's a mark, Robinson, speak from the heart. Hey, but two genders, two genders, ain't nothing but men and women. Everybody's fancy, everybody's fine. Your body's fancy, and so is mine. You. Yeah, Fred Rogers in the house. Everybody's fine. Tell it like it is. You, me. Featuring Pastor Mark Robinson. Hey, Featuring your boy, Johnny Hyde. <laughs> By way of Bob France. WHK, take us home. There's a song called Everybody's Fancy that I sing. 
they keep coming for our kids we're going to continue to tell the truth we're going to tell the biological truth and we're going to have some fun while we do it outstanding work there by our good friend johnny hiles who's our producer and uh, also dale officer who puts these things together outstanding work and uh, of course the original the og is mr rogers who told the truth now of course mr rogers would be canceled inside of 0.2 seconds which happens to be the percentage of the population, by the way, that has actual gender dysphoria, 0.2%. Let's go to uh, Sally, who is in Berea, waiting patiently for us on AM 1420, The Answer. Sally, good morning. Go ahead. Hi, Bob. Um, I think the lack of legislation in Ohio speaks volumes. Their silence is is very um, apparent, and we, we need somebody with a spine, our legislators, to institute policies like Governor DeSantis to uh, stand up for the common sense educational goals of our children, and we need to keep speaking out and pushing for that. Thank you. Thank you, Sally. And I think we need answers from our legislators. And the problem is our conservative legislator, our legislature is not the conservative legislature we thought it was going to be. Supermajorities in both uh, chambers of the General Assembly, the Senate and the House, it ought to be easy to say, yes, we're going to do what Tennessee just did, and we're going to make DeWine sign it because he knows if he doesn't, we're going to veto, override the veto anyway. We're going to make sure that children under 18 aren't exposed to this kind of trash, this drag show sexualized uh, performance in front of children. We're not going to allow it. Other states are doing it. Why is Ohio so silent? Why is Ohio afraid to say the truth? Why are they afraid to just bring it out and say, we're not going to let our children be warped and, and perverted and groomed? We're not going to do it. We're going to push back. Other states are doing that. I just read you a big, long list of them that have legislation in the pipeline, if not already passed, like Tennessee's is. It's going to be signed. Ohio doesn't care. Lisa Woods is in Medina, which is close to Wadsworth, and she's on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, Lisa. Hi. Wow, great calls today, Bob. These are, um, you know, well-thought-out ideas that people are thinking about, and especially on this drag queen stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, I I would suggest to keep it local, you know, fortify locally at your townships, your local school districts. You can email any and all of your local reps. Invite a commissioner for coffee. Make sure you get to know people at the local level and keep your kids close. It's dangerous out there. Straight out, it's dangerous no matter where, what age your kids are and where they go. It really Everyone is. Everyone has to be stronger. Yeah, it is very dangerous, which is kind of the point here. And, you know, like I said, I find it a little cheesy, just a little bit, you know, the, the whole 18 plus gets rid of us. But you know what? It's right. It is, it is, you know, and if it takes a cheesy, catchy slogan to do it, I guess I'm okay with it. But yeah, all we're saying is if you want to have a drag show in which a hairy guy shaves himself down, puts on a thong and fishnets and a push-up bra for, for, for fake boobs and puts on lipstick and you want to dance in front of adults, go do it. 
not my thing, I won't be there, but go do it. But if you leave the adult club and you bring that to a library or to a kid's party or to some other public place where you're going to try to shake your, your thing in front of children, we're going to have a, a problem. We're going to have a, a very serious problem. And if my kids are in that crowd, it might be a physical problem because... Um, you know, and that's what I want to avoid on Saturday. I don't want there to be any physicality. I don't want there to be any violence. I just want people to say, we're not going to allow this. We're not going to be a party to this. And uh, you want to go live your life and be that way, do it among adults, but stop trying to drag our children into it. It's just uh, it's something that's a bridge too far. Absolutely. I would suggest for people to take that same time that they would being there and instead, you know, email, call, and keep it local and keep it, keep your neighborhood tight. People Amen. really don't want this. It's only a few squeaky wheels. And when your elected officials know more and more of us stand with them in this way, they'll, they'll, they will too. They'll stand stronger when they know they have us behind them. Yep, I, I completely agree, uh, Lisa. And thank you so much for the call and for the nice message. It's it's a good it's good advice. Stay local, stay with your kids, stay with your family unit. Uh, don't don't give it air, don't give it oxygen. I think is like I said with uh, with Bob Thurber, who I spoke with earlier on. If you missed my conversation, by the way, with the president of the uh, city council in Wadsworth, Bob Thurber, who is very opposed to having this event being permitted on uh, 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 Saturday, we we obviously don't know if it's going to be given given a permit. As he pointed out, it's not something he nor city council can do. It's something the mayor and the safety director and services director they have to decide but he is very opposed to it and he is also and this is something i would say in the same vein as lisa is saying you know stay local stay local in terms of trying to get things done um what i mean by that is is i just lamented the fact that our non-existent conservative supermajority because it's a bunch of rhinos who partnered with a bunch of democrats that are now actually calling the shots if we can't get the state to do what needs to be done legislatively, do it at your local level. Bob Derber said, this is what I want to do with city council. Now let's pass a city ordinance that says no children, or none of these drag shows or sexual-oriented material can be performed in front of children under 18. That's an awesome idea. Do that in Wadsworth. Do that in Medina City. Do that in, in every community that cares about its kids around the state. If they won't do it at the state level, let's do it at our level. Thanks to my guests, Jim Jordan and Bob Thurber. Thanks to Johnny Howes running the show. Thanks to Marcy. Thanks to Marianne. Thanks to you for listening. I want you to be well. I want you to be safe. And I want you to stay free. We'll see you tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.